0: Brian, we did the same post today, but you have a flair that I'm missing.
1: All of our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. And your strength is you're very smart and thoughtful, but your greatest weakness is you have to make sure everyone knows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just tried to report the facts, sir.
1: Oh, come on. You wanted to show off.
0: Oh, you think I was like intellectually whipping it out there?
2: Wait, so you're saying you took my points, turned them into a post, and then Brian turned that into a post, and I'm not getting anything out of all that?
1: That's media. Jesus Christ. That's oh. media. Because in modern media, your threads and text then get taken by Troy. Troy makes something, and I make something off of Troy, and then we make a podcast. Yeah, you about guys it. are like an LLM.
0: The cycle goes on. So the weird old pig here at PVA. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: And so I want to start to talk about this interface shift. This is something we talked about before, mostly through the lens of, of chat, but I think it's it's kind of more profound. And I'm going to like mix up terms so you can we can argue over what, what words mean, which is these days, what 90% of the discourse is, just arguing about the meanings of yeah. words. But the reality is, it seems like w- we are on the cusp of a change in how we interface with what I consider digital media, but now is really the information space. And, and I think about it along two vectors. This is my sort of simplistic view: search and then also smartphones. And I think both those things are gonna change and they're and they're mixed up. But what the open AI demo day, and then also combined with humane AI, to me, it sort of points to where things are going. I know there's gonna be a lot of. To me it's just a matter of the timing but Alex maybe you want to start just as a refresher for why interface rules everything around us
2: just to get that out of the way first the humane stuff gets lumped in with the open ai stuff but one is nothing and the other one is is everything so the humane stuff i don't think is the future of computing and a lot of
0: this integrations it just might like- be good to remind people what the humane
2: yeah, stuff is Yeah so so we're so
0: going out humane- of order what happened to my structure <laughs>
1: Well, so I, maybe answer just it. the
0: question, Alex. Yeah, can we just go okay, back with the interface? Right, just right. start with interface. the. Interface. Don't worry,
1: we're going to get the brother spirit and all of the good shit <sighs> later. Okay, all right. Let's let's Okay, start with the
2: okay. Answer, okay, let's okay. go. All right. So going back in computer history, we've seen the shift in inputs, and we call those like these interface shifts, and they've happened from going to punch cards to going to keyboards to going to Mouse to going to touch screen. And in each one of these steps, the idea is to remove the number of layers of abstraction between what the person wants to do and when the computer does, right? So it's what I call it human computer interaction. And this is all like pretty obvious, but everybody's been waiting for whatever the next interface shift is, right? And this is where Zuckerberg and, and Tim Cook have put a lot of effort into things like augmented reality right just bringing the screen closer to your eyeballs but i think what happened with the launch of chat gpt it just it surpassed the expectations of what we could do with computers because it, it was the first time we built a truly intuitive interface you know i'm a designer and i've designed interfaces for a long time and everybody talks about intuition and intuitive right and ease of use but i think until chat GPT, we hadn't really experienced that in a, in a meaningful way. And I quoted our good friend, Adrian Cleave, Troy, but I said, these are the first interfaces that understand computers.
0: Of course, when I posted that on threads, hold I it. got a... Hold it, hold it, hold it. That wasn't your thought? That was our thought. That was grumpy Adrian's thought? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Which became your thought, which became my thought, which became Brian's Again, thought?
1: Brian's thought, yeah. Now podcast,
0: We really did eat Amazing. the whole pig here. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Usually some of the ears are left.
2: But I mean, let's face yeah. it, we're all people who sit on the shoulders of much smarter people that are less eager to share their thoughts with the world. So through my conversations with folks, there's a definition that came up is that these are the first in- interfaces that understand humans, right? A lot of people push back on that saying that everybody working on this would never define it as understanding humans. However, I think that when you have an interface that can kind of understand human language in a way that it can create a task in a computer that is relatively complex, it is de facto understanding. And if it's a, you know, people would tell you that it's just a stochastic parrot. If a stochastic parrot can read my taxes and come back with some context, then I think that stochastic parrots essentially understands what I'm saying. And so it's been surprising, actually, everyone, how large language models work at these types of tasks even though they're not perfect. And we've only seen this used in an interface because I think ChatGPT was the first interface for one year. And God knows what will happen over the next year. That that OpenAI presentation showed us the future, I think. And one of these things was that it can turn anyone into an engineer. And I don't think we understand what the repercussions are when the friction between an idea and execution is reduced so much Sure, there's a ton of stuff you can't do, right? But there's a ton of stuff you can do. Google Maps created Uber and Airbnb. There was no Uber and Airbnb before Google Maps because it would have been the leap from going from not having a map to having a map was too big for any startup to take on. And now we have these incredible models that will allow people to come up with all sorts of really cool ideas. And not only that, build them essentially in real time. And so a lot of engineers will come to you and say, well, it's not very efficient and it can't do a bunch of stuff. Sure, but we've never had that ability. We don't even know what it is. Today, It's there are websites like ifttt if com that allow you to connect the weather to your alarm, to whatever. You can do all sorts of smart home automations. You can connect Google Docs via Zapier to Notion and stuff like that. All that stuff is incredibly difficult for most people. But what these GPTs allow you to do is really complex tasks and come up with all sorts of new ideas. And so that for me, is a is a massive interface shift because it means that the human-computer interaction is made even more frictionless, and we're we're going to see an explosion of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like what he just did there, though. he he What's did something that? I didn't expect. So on the surface, you could look at UX simplistically and just say, Instead of buttons and toggles and entering my flight to, from information, I just enter a query into a search box and it knows a little about me and it proceeds to kind of do all the work. That's the the interface understanding me better in the most simplistic way. What I think Alex did is he kind of moved it down a level and he said, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, is it's not just that, it's that we can get closer to the computer in ways that we hadn't been able to before because we're not all programmers. So now what we can start to do is get much closer to a kind of deeper layer of or a deeper relationship with a computer like a programming level with the computer without knowing how to program. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's in a deeper part of this kind of connection
2: and it's it's actually more profound and having the computer write code based on what you say,
0: right? Like we use Unity to
2: build our games. There are some components that we could put in where I can write simple code by talking to the computer. This is bigger than that because in the back end of it, people are also building all these integrations with an existing universe of programs and data sets and all these things. So not only is it saying, oh, I would like a program that does X, Y, and Z, but it's also saying, I would like a program that checks the spreadsheet logs into this database checks the weather system turns on my lights whatever whatever you want to connect to each other through these agents technically and that to me is i don't even know the ideas that people are going to come up with it's it's impossible to predict the future from this moment on because we've just put this light through a prism and now there's like a spectrum of like millions of different ideas that are going to pop out of it. I have no idea. If, if TikTok created all these new media formats because it was just millions of people throwing shit at the wall, uh, there's going to be a revolution that is similar to that, but with applications, with executions on the computer. Mm. And so when we're talking about like consolidation of media and programmatic ads or what's happening to search... I think that's going to feel like nothing compared to what's happening now. I think the entire framework around computing changes. And I know it's it's really hyperbolic that I'm saying that. But Drop the
0: mic dude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the entire the entire computing paradigm changes. But more to this specific points.
0: Way to take the way to take the poetry out of it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we gotta, you know, we gotta go from poetry to prose. Tech people versus the press is like in full effect here. <laughs> the press. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, kudos to the tech people if they come up with an innovation that makes their tribe less valuable, but somehow I'm not going to hold my breath because I believe in power. What I'm interested in is can you just unpack the significance of GPTs and agents and what what those mean and why that's a big change from... Because a lot of this to me is, like you said, the human-to-computer nexus has been janky at best. A lot of times it's forced humans to cosplay computer, whether it's by putting in Boolean search Queries or whatever, like we're we're basically trying to act like a a computer to some degree, or trying to think like a computer rather than vice versa. To me, you're always trying. A
2: lot of human and computer interactions required a human to think like a computer, right? That is starting to become no longer the case. Not for caveat, not for everything, but for a lot of things, and for enough things to fundamentally change how we use computers. And we don't even know new ways that we're going to figure out to use computers because there's there's going to be this new, like I said, this explosion of like different ideas around that. I don't even know. I'm The framework that I've been trying to use to figure out what's going to happen is not what will change, but what's going to remain the same. What are the things that people have always done, but it's kind of shitty to do right now on a computer? And I can list like 30 things off the top of my head that could be fundamentally improved once these GPTs are out. Because it's version one, right? It's very simple. But imagine this. Using a conversational interface, you can create your custom miniature GPT that is powered by the massive LLM that is kind of running on, on OpenAI servers, but includes... Key information. So, for example, I'm working on two GPTs now. One kind of knows all my life. I'm downloaded my son's school calendar to it. I'm kind of bringing in all sorts of key information so that I can just ask it. Because there's things that I do all the time, like trying to remember when a vacation is, when a holiday is, or, or whatever. And the other one is a narrative GPT. Uh, we've talked about that idea before, where I'm putting the entire lore, the entire kind of narrative structure of our video games into a GPT so that anybody working on the game can ask, can query the GPT about relationships or kind of a technology that happens in the game, etc. This is months of work that can be yeah. replaced with, with something like this. These are two incredibly low-level ideas. And it's as a
1: version 0.1 of this product. Yeah. Now, I think about it a lot, just like what you're saying is so there was always so much turnover in newsrooms. I mean, at best, you, if people stayed around for like two and a half years, it was a win, right? Because the reality of the profession is there's a lot of churn. And I don't care. You could have Nirvana, you could have all the best snacks in the world a great 401k, people are going to switch jobs because that's how the profession works. But the biggest challenge to me was getting people up to speed as quickly as possible because there was a period of time in which they were not going to be fully productive. I mean, that's where I see companies with this more with less era is you can get people up to speed really quickly. I assume by using GPTs internally, that corpus of knowledge that exists within companies is significant. People don't know how to operate. It's like the old thing where people say they don't know where the restrooms are and stuff like this. But that it's it's
2: incredible what you will be able to do. You know, we were working at Airbnb. You would ask a question from HR or whatever, and they would always tell you, look, it's so it's clearly handbook. labeled. It's so clearly labeled in the handbook. And I was never like, I don't even remember which software we're using for what. And instead of that, the amazing thing is like you technically don't even need to upgrade the software. You don't need to kind of do a data transfer from all these disparate systems into one and make sure that the old system that's running here is now running on the the new content engine and so you can find everything and then we build a new search system. Like We spend months on that stuff. Instead, just let all this old stuff run. Right. Put an AI between the human and that stuff and the AI will answer the question. Oh my (laughs) God,
0: it's modern slavery. Those poor AIs have to deal with the old systems to get you what you want. You're so callous. Yeah.
2: You're joking, but I think AIs are going to be used to cover up all sorts of badly built stuff. You know, the government keeps promising that it's going to make those arcane systems modern. You know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to keep those arcane systems running, and there's just going to be a layer of some sort of open AI on top of it with some custom hooks feeding that into a website.
1: Okay. So, again, Troy, since you cheer for power, who wins and who loses in in these scenarios?
0: Well, thank you for asking, Brian. (laughs) The first thing is, it would seem that changing the interface in ways that we've just discussed, meaning that you don't, for example, have to build an Expedia app to channel someone's intentions into a flight booking, means that The layer that sits on top of everything, i.e. where the query begins, I want to book a flight, becomes really important and will control a huge amount of the economics. I think of that as the platform layer. I think if anybody's going to harness, I mean, assuming that they get out in front of it, going to harness the power of a series of smart commands that can do a bunch of things against a big corpus of knowledge and a bunch of APIs, then it's the platforms. And the platforms are the hardware owners, like Apple or Android. And video. Well, that's even down another level. Yeah. But I think it has to have something that touches the consumer. Certainly a lot of value in the chip layer. But as such, the people that own that starting point from a platform or hardware perspective, control a lot of the economics. And there's great power in that, I suspect. It's hard not to imagine how media just doesn't continue to get thrown around and bamboozled and beaten up in this process because even the lucrative hacks become futile that exist today, which is finding a way to the top of a distribution pile, Google in particular, with service content, as you always call you call What do you call it? The chop shop or whatever?
1: Uh, I've been mostly using SEO Glue Factory.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that that's where it begins. I think the people that have access to the silicon and control the, the dominant large language models become incredibly powerful. Even t- today, I noticed, so just as a sort of exercise, and because actually it's quite practical, I think Alex would back me up here, I run on my, system, my desktop of my phone, I have the ChatGPT app, and I'm finding that for routine queries, I go to it far more often than I did before, and it's certainly taking time from what I would have used to, what I would have done with Google or Siri for that matter, because I do use Siri a little bit for what's the score in the game or what's the weather or whatever. But now inside of ChatGPT, I can do images, and it can also access up-to-date information to April on their model and then through their Bing partnership on the web. My point is they are creeping into other use cases. I don't need my mid-journey subscription anymore administered, Brian, through Discord, which you hate. I
1: was just on Discord this morning and I was thinking, Alex is wrong. I hate this shit.
0: You know what I did this week? You know, the, the, the bear in the parka? What I did is I uploaded last week's bear that was created in mid-journey via Discord. I uploaded it in two seconds to OpenAI or to ChatGPT. And I said, make something like this, except change it in the following way. And it, it spit it out in a couple seconds. The, the, the point is that once you have that model and that interface point as uh, ChatGPT has, You can do a lot with it. There's a lot of power there. This is going to be a very, very important company in my estimation. (laughs) I think it already is an important company. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think there was, you know, it was sort of like this unlikely consumer application. Many people thought that it was a kind of demo station for a B2B business, but like this is an important company. Well, I mean,
2: especially at at the beginning of, of the adoption of any technology, you have these companies that kind of pop and then disappear as the incumbents kind of figure out how to integrate it. But OpenAI seems to have reached a velocity to, to, to pull out of that with their execution, with a model that's way better and with a hundred million users. And I don't know if we know what's what's going to happen here because it's also like uniquely structured, right? It's it's not a traditionally structured corporation. It's it's partially a non-profit, partially you know, has this massive Microsoft investment. I would be worried if I was Google or Apple. I think Google and Apple both look weaker than they ever have. We know that they both have the interface, the hardware to the software. That's a huge advantage. Yeah. But
1: OpenAI has just proven that they have incredible velocity here. But on a more day-to-day level, you've made the point that a lot of companies are at their essence interface levels or layers, right? And everyone wants to control the interface. In digital media, I always think of, I think of Google controlling the interface to the open web, basically, because it was search, right? And search is the the nervous system, whatever metaphor you want to use, of the open web. And I think what publishers, they already saw the shoe drop from social and the search shoe is dropping. And that is a major, major issue but i also think of like what you're saying that a lot of companies are interface levels right like expedia is just an interface layer to a bunch of data isn't it
0: oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Inter- it, it's an interface and amazon's an interface to shopping and tiktok's an interface to video creation and consumption like yeah they're just interface layers i sure.
2: would say if we run through those though expedia is much more of an interface company a pure interface play because that's what it does. It, it uses the fact that these systems of, of travel booking and stuff like that are so archaic and so disconnected sure. that it creates this. I mean, business.
0: it doesn't have the other bits like fulfillment.
2: Like fulfillment, or even Airbnb, which has like a pretty unique database, right, of properties. So there are a lot of companies where I'm pretty sure executives are pretty anxious right now as to what this does to yeah. their business.
1: Okay so use one of those companies Airbnb or Expedia you have to lock down your data I guess my point is we will not have a universal interface because of power dynamics it's not a technology issue is that google was able to to really pull off something amazing which was to purportedly organize the world's information by constructing an uneasy bargain in which people got enough benefits and the taxes weren't too high, right? The taxes were pretty high when I love, I love these. Do you follow internal tech emails, Twitter X account? No. <laughs> it's, it's an entire account devoted to the internal emails at the tech giants that come out in all these lawsuits. Wow. And they're amazing because you start to see what is really happening beyond the bright painted balls and the free chefs and all the scooters and all the other nonsense. And you start to realize that these are incredibly sharp, bell- I mean, you obviously know it, you guys know it, but the, the public perception of these companies is very different from how they operate. They're obviously very sharp elbowed, I'll say that. And they, these these emails make it incredibly clear. And so what I wonder is like, universal search is pretty much dead isn't it? Like I mean the idea because you you're basically creating a, a a situation where it's not in so many people's interests to contribute to any sort of commons. And so it's going to end up being completely Balkanized. So explain to me how this like universal brain can even work because everyone's just going to lock down their Data or any unique assets, and not allow these LLMs to to go near it. Well, that's the new frontier,
2: and that's what keeps this business. I think what we're going to start seeing, and we're, we're hearing it from folks like Reddit, that they're going to start locking out their content from Google. I expect Google is going to start. You know, if I were at Airbnb or one of these companies, I would consider that. I would do the math as to how much traffic Google brings us and the potential loss that we could incur from having all that stuff absorbed. It used to be that the deal was you couldn't say no to the Google deal. Let us take this stuff because we send you the traffic, right? But in this world, that calculation becomes lopsided,
0: right? Yeah. Can we back up on this just a sec? Because I think that's a really great question, Brian. And, and I think that what you see from the OpenAI Dev Day announcement is, I think of it in three pieces. And it, it's an acknowledgment of what you're saying, which is there's your data, right? The things that are uniquely yours. There's effectively our brain that makes sense of your data and connects mm-hmm. it to other things. And then there's a mechanism to connect both of those to all the pulleys, the APIs effectively, of a world that allows you to get things done, the action world. So there's your information, our brain, and then all the processes that we've invented over a long period of time to, to activate technology into things that that create utility for us and then what we're going to do is we're going to allow you to make your own thing and it was just so clear to me when they were doing those demos that this is the new page builder this is the new website creator app creator the, it's the app creator and a website creator because now i just put in all of my menus my local information the knowledge for my company or whatever the lens that I've just, that OpenAI has helped me create allows me to create a world around that information. Our brain makes sense of it. And now you can activate the Instagram or Expedia APR, or whatever completes that equation. And so I think that that's what they're doing. And then they're saying we'll create a store for that. So there'll be a marketplace for those things, the modern replacement of the App Store. But the interesting part about it is that. Just hold that thought for a second. Then Google can't tank the SERP because tanking the SERP tanks their business completely. 80% of their revenue comes from the SERP. Yeah. Right? So they need that surface area to monetize and pay for all the crab legs in the cafe. And so what OpenAI is doing is really different because I believe, I mean, I have a 20, I think it's a $20 subscription to OpenAI to use an un, like an unfettered chat GPT. So their monetization layer is both them selling the APIs and that functionality to businesses, right? And B, a consumer subscription proposition. And advertising is nowhere in there. Nowhere. And that's what I think we kind of, I I haven't reconciled in my mind. Like, How does advertising, how does the ability to use money to tilt the system to get leads or awareness, which is advertising, how does that factor into this new thing? Maybe it's just that a company needs to build their own GPTs. That's their advertising. Except you're still going to need to pay to get attention to that GPT, if that makes any sense. Yeah.
2: Does that make sense, Alice? OpenAI is going to probably have a multi-billion-dollar advertising network in their In their app store. Their, yeah. will just call looking. it something yeah.
0: different. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it might be something different
0: because it all everything always gathers up at at the, at but, the gatekeeper point. Absolutely.
1: That's not really advertising, okay? I think you've actually made this point. You not like not Benedict Evans right? calling it not really understanding. Yeah. I see. I told you every single <laughs> one of these discussions it goes into taxonomy, yeah. argument about like words yeah. and what words right. mean. Advertising, it's a slotting
0: be- fee or distribution sure, fee right. or a okay, shelf fee. Or but whatever.
1: it is not creating demand, right? Brand advertising is creating demand for a product, not harvesting demand. All these all these performance marketing goons have convinced the world that advertising is just about <laughs> harvesting demand.
0: They're goons,
1: he says <laughs> in passing. <laughs> no offense to any of my performance marketing friends. <laughs> I honor your labor. What's the difference between Amazon
2: showing the LG TV at the top of the search results for TV to OpenAI tastefully integrating LG TVs link when you ask what's a good TV. I'm simplifying the So I would say this.
1: So so a lot of advertising as practiced by Google is in my mind probably killing them as uh, as an advertiser, which is not smart business. It's a protection racket at the end of the day. I mean, they walk around the neighborhood and are like, hey, that's a nice business you have. It'd be terrible if something happened to it. <laughs> Again, this internal tech emails, and it's all coming out. Everyone knew this was the case, right? Barry Diller, he's like, I was not born yesterday. He sent this amazing email to Philip Schindler, the chief business officer, a couple of years ago. In
0: which he, chief he, business this, officer at Google. At
1: Google, and he laid out the case. He said, look, we got this, this VRBO travel. They were getting 500 million visits from Google uh, a year. Okay, We we were spending $21 million. We increased that to to 300 million over five years. Guess how many visits we're getting? Same. (laughs) That is a different business, and that is not an advertising business. But flip it around.
2: I'm surprised I'm the one saying this, but let's look into things that are not going to change. That I like. Things that's not going to change is that companies will be willing to pay a lot of money to generate demand, right? And that, to me, is advertising. Wh- whichever way you slice it, you pay money to generate demand to sure. the shit you sell, right? If the interface to knowledge becomes OpenAI or chat GPT or collection of all these things, then there will be a market for that type of stuff and it will happen on those platforms too. I, we have no idea what that looks like
1: but that there will be a way to generate demand. Sure, via these, but these so the tools. nature of advertising is obviously changing. To me, it's like in a giant accelerant, the erosion of brand advertising as it was practiced will erode. I think the other thing that will probably erode, what I'm interested in is when we talk about things that won't change, advertising generally has remained at about 2% of GDP since the 1920s. I was always thinking it would decouple from that and it would decline because... After all, why shouldn't it, right? Everything becomes much more efficient. The old John Wanamaker thing, if he didn't know 50% was wasted, that should that should have sort of gone away, right? It should be more efficient than, And so it should go down as a percentage of GDP. Won't this eventually decouple those two things that have basically gone hand in hand for the last hundred years?
0: I don't think so, actually. Okay, Even if the goons come, and even if John Wanamaker even if we can now measure the other half, we will still buy it happily as long as the marginal revenue exceeds the marginal cost. And what we'll look to do is optimize the systems of value creation in our business such that our revenue profit engine can produce more than somebody else's so we can buy more growth, right? Like that's how the machine works. Okay, yeah, that I get.
1: But that is very different than the kind of advertising that is sold by publishers. I guess I'll bring it back to the publisher. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, come on, controlling an interface and and pushing demand around because you've got a bunch of people using your interface is very different than trying to do persuasion on a web page. It just doesn't seem like a
0: growth industry. Well, we're seeing how that's going. And is this how you transition into, you know, discussion about Jezebel or something? Is that what we're doing?
1: I mean, we can, but I don't think it's like a GPT. Issue. Just
2: so we're clear, this interface shift doesn't mean that there won't be needs for formats for media formats, right? I think people will still be watching TikToks, and maybe the kind of the shrinking of the Google search, programmatic search thing, and and website advertising increases the amount of advertising that happens on TikToks and Twitters of the world. And also, you know, if you're a media company, that said, maybe-
0: Google is, is very happily hedged with YouTube, by the way.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Let's look at Google's psychology for a little bit. Google had their eyes so firmly on that advertising ball, even though they say that that's not what their company is about. They were so fixated on it that they paid a bunch of engineers to build LLMs to build the technology right that allow OpenAI to exist and release it open source, and never thought to really use it themselves, right? Because nobody had that, could- that doesn't seem right. The entire foundation of this revolution started with a lot of the technology that was built at Google, and that was acquired by Google, and that was released into the world. Now, I'm very excited and very happy that stuff is is released as open source, but the truth is also that they didn't integrate it. They didn't build anything. They didn't launch ChatGPT. I'm not gonna feel
0: too bad for Google,
2: but literally, I think what happens at so Google, your take
0: uh, is they were just like, uh nah, that'll fuck up our advertising. Yeah,
2: I, I, my take is that it didn't get the time of day. The same way they invested a lot of money into their gaming star, uh, gaming startup with Stadia, they spent like a few months on it. And then, if well, is it making how much money is it making? And whatever money it does, it's a fraction of advertising. So the executives go like, "Well, let's kill it then." I it's mean, not
1: important. Too bad. So sad. They're a one-trick pony, and just so happens their trick was the be- greatest business model of all time.
2: But they're not even a one-trick pony. They're, they're, they're a pony that invents tricks for other ponies while, while while it focuses on the one trick. Google could be owning this entire. Revolution, yeah.
1: Well, but it's yeah. you know. I want to talk. Anyway, I want to talk, talk about the people. I'm not. I don't. I don't care about the the gatekeepers as much as you guys do. <laughs> like whatever, there'll be there'll uh, be some day. oligarchs will benefit, and some other oligarchs will slightly. Have less benefit. I get that. That's how it always is. I'm I'm more interested in the villagers and where. So what doesn't change? Because I think what you said was really interesting. Because this is something that I don't know if it's always been. It's come to me the the last three days. This has been said to me like four or five different times, or I've come across this. I came across a a Jeff Bezos story from like 2017, I think it was, or something, or maybe it was 2007. He talked to Harvard Business Review about this. And he said, you know, a lot of people try to predict the future and how things are going to change, but it's better to focus on what won't change. The track record of predicting the future is horrible. So it's better to focus. And his thing was like for Amazon, people always want low prices. They'll always want convenience. They'll always want to get the stuff really quick. And we're just going to focus on that stuff and we'll manage all the rest of the stuff. So... If you're like a publisher, for instance. Yeah, I mean, that's also the Warren Buffett thing, right? Yeah, I mean, there are all yeah. these sort of things. But and for some reason, it's just come up a few times over the last couple of days with me. I think it's actually a pretty useful reminder. What, what won't change? There's a lot of stuff that's, that's changing and you just can't control. But what won't change?
0: Troy? Ten years, what's, what won't change? Don't go changing to try and please me. I don't. Oh, I don't know. You didn't prepare me for this question. Oh we have wow. to dance, Troy, dance. What dance. doesn't change? I mean, all the stuff we talk about that there's nothing. You cannot com- compare the output of, of an LLM to well-crafted, intimate, personal output from a thoughtful, passionate human being. I mean, maybe, maybe you can, and may, maybe oh. AI will be better at. But you know,
2: Troy, all, when when you asked what's not going to change, well, let
0: me finish. Can I? Can I finish? All right. Because I'm going to ladder them up okay, to ladder. all the way. I'm going to ladder. So maybe, maybe, maybe there's that. I hear you so much in the words you you put on on the page, Brian. I enjoy reading it. I can't see that that that'll be replaced immediately. I think that voice and humans talking is. You made the point today, I think, yeah. Brian, in your newsletter. I think that's that's unchanging. While I think the onslaught of, I mean, I think that the economics of content creation, Katzenberg said this week that the cost to create an animated movie will be reduced by 90% on account of AI. So the, the thing that we'll see there are more stories and m- more content, but the media product on a timeline is not going to is not going to change. We're still going to enjoy storytelling in video formats. All of those things I think are are kind of unchanging. It's just important to recognize that a lot of what we grew up with in media was based on words and pages and advertising contextually inserted between those. And so that little part of the spectrum, which by the way is very high impact to culture and to the delivery of news is really small in terms of it being a business. So there's a big, big, big persistent ongoing media business here. It's just that the part that we spend a lot of time in is is under siege.
1: Yeah, well, that concerns me. <laughs> I don't know, just from a personal no, level.
0: But, well, it does. It does and it should, but you're picking away at a formula that works inside of that new set of rules.
1: Well, hopefully for now. I, I feel good about my approach and de-risking across this. Vectors. I mean, my problem is that it depends on professional publishers of some scale existing. To be honest with you, and
0: yeah, we talk. Otherwise, that. I, can,
1: I can't deliver leads to people that don't like they. they won't exist. It's yeah. just like it just won't work. Are you like
2: that? The, the little fish that lives next to the whale. <laughs> How did it work out with the little fish?
1: Yeah.
2: When I try to answer that question of what doesn't change in media, I go a bit of a higher level. Because I think if you, if you look too narrowly then you, and you, you start saying, well, that none of that will change, then that means you should just tell people to keep doing what they're doing, which is not the exercise for me. I think in media, there's essentially two modalities. I either want to be brought up to speed or I want to be entertained. And then sometimes a little bit of both is good, right? I think that the up to speed part of it is going to be 95% kind of eaten up by AI. There's no reason why I need to kind of sift through stuff to get to get updated on anything. So if you're in the news business, you're gonna to have to start figuring out different business model, including like feeding the news into the LLMs that that then pay you for it. Maybe if you're entertained, what you definitely need to do is make sure that you don't, you know, hide your individual brand behind just like a massive corporation because that's also going to be changing. So. I think a, a lot of stuff is going to change, but it's going to happen in some industries quicker than others.
1: I don't know. I'm kind of like, yes, but no. I mean, I sort of get what you're saying, but it's it's for, a, to me, and I know it will ladder up or whatever, to, it's for a very commoditized, like who won the Sixers game last night? Sure. There hasn't been a, a reason for a human to write that story in many, many years. I think that there's still room for a lot of news that is about connecting dots. And I have yet to see... I, have you had a conversation with ChatGPT about any issue that is not black and white and that is thorny, i.e. most of humanity? All of it is like, this is a very complex issue. I'm like, right. why do you keep telling me this? Of course it is. Agreed. Like,
0: <laughs> Agreed.
2: I mean, you're using the vanilla model. I think what when you talk about... <laughs> opinion- is there a
1: model that doesn't keep telling me that things are complex? Okay, so who's been doing a great job of this?
2: Ezra Klein has been doing the best job of anyone to try to cover the stuff happening in Israel and Palestine, right? Like he's bringing all sorts of different voices. Yeah, I I thought it'd been good. he said different viewpoints. That is a great source of that. I expect people consume that a lot for entertainment because they enjoy listening to... You know, you could get the salient points out of any of these things one of the, the yeah. tweets that talks about the main points, the the reason mm-hmm. you listen to this is that you enjoy that type of discourse and that type of conversation, and it's essentially an entertainment product at the end of the day. And so that's why I say if, if it's just keeping me up to speed on what's going on, then there's not a lot of space for the 700-word article anymore.
1: But what is keeping up to speed? Because I think you're sort of taking... I think you have a very particular view of news. I think you could probably get most of your news from like Captivate, the like elevator network, you know, that's like by the time I get to the 17th floor and we work, I've been pretty much caught
2: up. Look, I I think it's pretty universal. I think there are topics that people they just want to know what's happening. And that's the weather, that's oh, you know,
1: international showing. news, that's events locally that might yeah, be Yeah, but look, the weather channel exists. Why does the weather channel exist? Well, why? Like people, you, you just because know the weather everywhere. Like it's like a massive. Because company. people turn it on as entertainment. Yeah, 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 no, no, I get that, but that's what I'm saying. It's like what people want out of news, and I think a lot of people in the news industry sort of gone on a tangent, but like it's a podcast. A lot of pe- what people want out of the news industry is really not to to keep informed. It's. It is almost a form of entertainment and like cheering for my team against the other team and taking a side and seeing how things will turn out. Oh, there's a twist, there's a turn. And it's sort of horrible to me in, in that there's real people with real lives being affected and a lot of people treat these issues not to quote unquote keep informed, but as like a spectator sport. To some degree, it's not all that different yeah. from the cil- yeah. Civil War when rich people would go out and get good seats and, and view the battles.
2: Yeah, that's why Trump was so great for the news media, because it turned most news into entertainment for most people, right? People were glued to that shit. But, but hey guys,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hate to play moderator. but <laughs> All right, dad. Yeah, it's nice that we can hear your take on the role news plays in our lives. But the, uh, <laughs> I'm curious about something else closer to the interface concept. And I'm wondering from you, Alex, what is the form factor and interface of a phone going to change materially in the next five years? Are we going to see a big departure from what yes. has been now brewing like yes. that I have in my hand?
1: It makes no sense that we carry around these phones. Seriously, go around. I put this in my newsletter today. I'm sorry to jump in here. I go around New York sometimes and I just say, I'm going to count how many people are looking at their phones, walking around the streets or holding their phones. And usually it's about 50% when I'm going to it. That is so weird. That is so strange. The idea that people are walking around looking at a phone that they don't even use as a phone is bizarre. It's so strange. Okay, boomer. Okay. <laughs> How is that not? That is, first of all, let me tell you this. In 10 years, the most boomer behavior will be go, will be you looking at your phone. And you won't be looking at your phone. You're going to have on like a VR headset, I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't entirely disagree. I maybe have a more subtle response to it. <laughs> I go blunt. I think that, and maybe it's the right time to talk about the AI pin after that. I actually think that this new technology is going to basically slow down the urgency of trying to reinvent the interface within the device. So, I feel that people could just see like, well, it used to be punch cards and then it was keyboard and it was mouse and then we brought it even closer because you touch it with your fingers and now the next step is to bring it even closer and just beam it into your eyeballs, right? And this this will still happen likely, you know, and and it's going to be interesting to see this progress, but I expect like the perfect, the perfect AI interface for a lot of uh, activities. Not all activities is actually a small screen that fits in your back pocket, an AirPod in your ear, right, where you can talk to it. And when there's something you need to see visually, you look at it. Oh, can you show me the map of this thing? Then you pull it out of your pocket. I don't know if there's any better way to do that but it seems to be really good enough for 90% of the use cases and the technology we have today which is all the pieces are there open ai's chatbots with voice apple iPhones with airpods is essentially the future that you saw in her right especially as the company uh, as the technology improves the only thing that's keeping us away from that is that apple is not letting you integrate open ai in, in certain ways There's a little bit of a delay between responses and stuff like that. But all of that stuff is there. So I actually don't think that there's that much urgency in reinventing the thing. You have a tiny computer in your pocket that has a screen when you need it. You have a tiny earpiece in your ear that can talk to you. Maybe you can add glasses to it that connect to the phone as well. But that feels like it's a very viable ecosystem, which is why I actually think the AI pin is a complete dud. Because... Why? Why does that even have to exist? A little thing that you clip onto your lapel that has a speaker on it, that has a projector that projects onto your hand, it feels like it's a solution in search of a problem because the technology is there, it's massively used, it's massively produced, it's becoming cheaper, phones are staying. Phones are are the device for the next three decades.
1: Well, I think the problem is the phones. I think it's, it's pretty clear that I try not to fall for like moral panics. I can remember when Americans supposedly were watching like 13 hours of television a day and it was a major panic around that in like the 1980s. And so phones are the the new version of that.
2: But phones are essentially TVs. I mean, we call them phones. Yeah, that's true. Cause I mean, I was, they're just portable TVs. I mean, Troy,
1: you've talked about like sitting on the couch looking at your phone is now a normal thing. Like a bunch of people, they do my work at 787, a coffee shop around here. And this young couple sat down across to me. They each looked at their phone for 45 minutes next to each other, showed each other a couple of TikTok videos. And then suddenly after 45 minutes, one like hit the other one in the shoulder and they got up and left together. (laughs) I'm like, this fucked up.
0: Alex, kudos to you because that was your second mic drop in the episode. I I think that's a, a really good way to look at it. That maybe, maybe the importance of the screen is lessened and it's augmented more actively by something in your ear that can pick up voice. Because so much of what we need to do can be done in new ways, supported by an AI interface that our dependency on staring and scrolling and pinching and opening apps and stuff is reduced. And yeah, maybe it moves to the face in terms of some type of augmentation. That's completely feasible, I think. And that's the next wave that we're about to...
1: Well, I think AirPods, to me, are going to be more important to Apple's future than the iPhone. Maybe that's a sweeping statement. What stuff I have no idea. Well, listen, the
0: first time you're at a party and someone starts pinching and looking at the time on their hand with a little projector, or listening to music on, or touching their their pin, you're yeah. going to think, "What an asshole!"
1: But like, I thought the same thing when Gary V was wearing around AirPods originally. I said, "What an asshole!" I, mean, I still think that. But, that
2: <laughs> but if you look at the modalities and the uses of it. Most of the time, and, and I don't think most people have experienced that because the technology needs to get to a... Uh, once you're talking about conversational AI, it needs to get to a level of quality and reliability that is so high that we haven't really experienced it yet. But if you have something small enough in your ear that allows for pass-through... Info, not only pass-through audio, but even improves the audio that you hear. I used those things at a concert and it reduced the loud s- sounds and allowed me to have a conversation. I mean, technology is getting there as airpods being an amazing augmentation to people you will still need a tiny computer with a tiny screen because it is your tv your laptop your everything oh i need to i need to look at this image i need to look at this video right so why would you get rid of that now maybe the next iphone it looks like glasses that you wear on your face but it's still an iphone you know it's still the same thing it's still the the merging of a tv computer phone into a yeah. single device
1: i guess i guess the part that i think about is i think phones are the new cigarettes i think we're going to look back on phones like cigarettes like the way cigarettes but you're
2: talking about software this is a software concern it's not a hardware it's not a form factor concern the software on phone is the cigarettes the phone is just the computer. Okay, has, it's not the
1: bullets. Bullets don't call, kill people. Uh, no,
2: no, 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 no. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. This It is the bullets. It's not the guns. It, but it's not even what I'm saying. It's just like, if you want to change the behaviors around like phone usage and where people are just addicted to TikTok, you have to change TikTok. The, the phone itself will not disappear.
0: Okay, there you go. I'm glad we had this conversation. I actually wait, have to bounce soon.
1: Wait, and- can I just have a final topic? on that humane AI thing. Sure. Brother Spirit. Jesus. The article the New York Times wrote about humane AI. I I urge everyone to watch the video if you haven't. It's it's quite a it's it really is out of Silicon Valley. It's
2: it's it's out of Silicon Valley, the T V show.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's really out of that. But it, it, apparently, in a buried part of the lead, I got to ask Aaron uh, Griffin, who I believe wrote the story, what she was thinking. Apparently, they the founders consulted Mark Benioff's. He, it, it, who is he? He's an acupuncturist. His name is Brother Spirit, and sitting beneath a palm tree on a cliff. Above the ocean at Mr. Benioff's Hawaiian home in 2018, they explained both devices. This one, Mr. Benioff said, pointing at the AI pin as dolphins breach the surf below, is huge. It's going to be a massive company. Brother Spirit blessed it, and then they're off to the races. I guess, first things off, do you know Brother Spirit? Alex, you're in the area.
2: <laughs> yeah, we all know Brother Spirit. No, I have no idea who Brother Spirit is. <laughs> I don't know. It's a small, it's a company town talk about a name that is self-important huh brother spirit yeah I like just shoppers. like a, he's I bet he's fun to hang out with I'm sure he is the way they the way they announced this product doomed it to failure even if it was the best product ever I think sometimes people leave Apple and think that they can have the same amount of self-importance and hubris outside of Apple than they did in
1: Apple but then realize 100%, 100%. that hundred
0: percent. You
1: know, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? I was like, is this a, a satire? I don't know who this person is. Why is he acting like this?
0: The way he touched the devices and and kind of held them up and presented them was was very <laughs> spoofy. Yeah, it's it's kind of cringe. But Brother Spirit, we should see if we can get a hold of him. We can get him on the podcast. I'd love but, it. I'd love to
1: have him on this.
0: Alex, can you get him on? You haven't gotten any guests yet.
2: Uh, I'll try to get Brother Spirit. Are you
0: connected on. to him on LinkedIn? Is he on LinkedIn?
2: I mean, Shaman's on, go on tw- LinkedIn. He, he's on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, there's going to be more than one brother spirit.
1: If we do, if we can't get him, I can get Nigel, my dark monk. Let me
2: ask you some clarification on on the fact: was that story something they willingly shared, or
1: was it leaked? You see, that's the part I don't know because I'm like just based on the launch, they got a lot of PR and uh, behind them and stuff, and I would think. I don't know PR, but I I would definitely, if I was advising them, I'd be like, maybe we keep the brother spirit story in the back pocket. Yeah,
0: but and the journalist was clearly having fun. Like, as the dolphins breached the surface of the water. Oh, my
1: God. If someone was telling it, I was like, I would just basically try not to react. (laughs) Because that's one where you're getting this detail. You're like, oh, my God, why are you giving me this rope to hang you with? Why would you do that to yourself?
0: Pinheads.
2: You have a good product, Troy. You have
0: a good well. I have one that I thought you might appreciate, Alex, because I think you feel like we've been shitting on your game stuff, and and we know that I have been that gaming is important to the kind of entertainment and cultural economy. Thank you. You're welcome. My good product this week is tennis on the Switch. <laughs> is that funny? No. Is that funny to the gaming community?
1: <laughs> no, no, it's great. What's 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 is that like Wii? Is that the new Wii?
0: Yeah, it's a it, the the switch is a great product. It's <laughs> portable. You can plug it into your TV.
2: Which tennis? Really, which tennis are you talking about? So,
0: it's the new one. It's whatever we sports. Wii, the Wii new sports, version yeah, of it. Yeah, we sports. And yeah,
2: yeah.
0: You grab those two controllers on the switch, and you play. You know, alarmingly fun and competitive, and dare I say, lifelike game of tennis with your kids. It's a blast. I love it.
2: All right, that's a good. That's a good one. Good, good product. product.
0: Yeah. Well, I, it wasn't like, you know, clean air. No, or, I thought you were going to yeah, say...
1: Clean air is actually Long, a nice long... Mountain air. Mountain air is a great yeah. product. You know, if you go to the mountains, that first breath of, like, mountain air, you're like, ah, Yeah. Is,
0: and then you get life. altitude... Sickness. You know what else is a good product if you want? <laughs> you, you know those Turkish pizzas? They're called pide. Oh, yeah. Those, those are, are good. good. Those really are really good.
2: good. I think if you're going to buy a Switch... You should really consider the new Steam Deck, which is the, the the PC version done by Valve, and it's a portable PC. They just released really, released really an OLED version. It's like six hundred bucks, five six hundred bucks, and it's it's what I recommend everybody buy if they're trying to get into gaming. It plugs into your TV. It's portable. It's powerful, but it doesn't come mm. with ten. Where do you get
0: the games for it? Where it's all it's for?
2: all Steam. So Steam is the okay. uh, kind of the all biggest the Steam market. Games. Yeah. And how, how do you control it, Alex? What's the interface? It's got it's got sticks. It's got pads. It's got touch screen. Uh, it looks like a switch. It looks like a switch essentially. Do you have one? Yeah, I have one. I'm thinking about up- upgrading it. It's pretty portable and pretty affordable. So great, great, great product. Very exciting to have technology. What's it called on. again? Just uh, so everybody Steam, knows, I might a get one. Steam Deck. D E C K.
1: Okay. Yeah. Steam Deck. Okay.
2: All right. All right. Cool. you know what? It feels like media has become it's a bunch of tech people complaining about writers not being fair and a bunch of writers complaining about, you know, tech people being assholes. But the truth is they both want to be each other. The only optimistic one I like, which is still critical, is the Verge cast. They're great They're you. They're me? They might be Yeah,
0: those are just, just, just your people. Really. All, right. All
2: right. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank Fine. you been fun. Ciao. Bye. Like and subscribe.